And this episode of the Disney Dads Podcast is brought to you courtesy of our Patreon supporters. Want to support the show? Become a Patreon member. Thank you, thank them. Now enjoy the show. Round one was over. <laughs> Parents won. Kids, sip. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Can we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen, start your engines. Beyond. There's a touch of madness around here. Hello, Disney Dads podcast family, and welcome to a show that's a little about us, a lot about Disney, and a whole lot of fun for the family. I am Ozzy Dave, and I am joined this evening by Mike is in the house, and we've got a little bit of fun coming your way, and hoping everybody is having a great week. Mike, are you having a good week? Uh, a very hot week here. It's uh, The weather's been unseasonably warm. I mean, listen, it's, uh, it is summertime in New York, but uh, we're in the 90s, but it's the, as the weatherman would say, the real feel of 100 plus. So I think you guys are kind of aware with that. So I'm kind we... of, um, I, I'm feeling that Florida vibe, <laughs> which is good because next week I'll be down in the Florida Keys. So I'm kind of gearing myself up for vacation time. And, um, you know, I don't want to go from very cold weather to very, very warm so weather. So this, this is, is kind just of a precursor. You... This is just you getting acclimated and yes, ready. Yes, All getting right. the blood, getting the blood going for this vacation. I like it. I like it. I mean, I, w- I was texting you today and I was going to ask this and I thought I'd wait until we were uh, live and say, is anybody in New York City right now? Because I feel like every single person I talk to <laughs> in Walt Disney World, a lot of my tours and just everybody I see seems to be a very heavy contingent of New York at the moment. Yeah, you know, the kids just got out of school the last couple of weeks. Matter of fact, uh, lucky me, I had uh, Sammy just graduated grammar school, and she's starting high school next year. And Sarah just graduated uh, high school, and she's off to college next year. So this time of year up here around this northeast area, New York, New Jersey, uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, it's very much that time of year when our kids are just getting out of school and everyone kind of wants to. Teachers get a break. The you know the, the, the families that have teachers want to get a break, and the kids want to enjoy their vacation. So. These are definitely some popular weeks to uh, head from up north down south to take in that nice little Disney vacation after a long, hard year of school. Uh, yeah, yeah. As I said, they seem to be everywhere. Um, so definitely a thing. Definitely a thing. So um, Now, Mike, we were chatting back and forth over the last day or so and figuring out what we were going to be bringing and what we were going to be talking about. And you mentioned something that made me strap on my thinking cap a little bit because there are moments when I am walking through the parks and talking with people or even I I think I wind up at like like parties or like in my social circle and somebody mentions something and I just pull out some random fact or some weird thing to look for next time you're in the parks and you mentioned that I'd brought up a couple of these when we had the opportunity uh to talk about uh some Disney and um and we were like all right let's see if we can come up with a few of these that we really like and so we're going to take a look at um how did you word it so beautifully um 
the hidden little details that the hidden Imagineers details. just kind of sprinkle across the park. Yeah, and I mean, there's so many of them. We could spend multiple episodes dissecting hidden Mickeys, which are obviously a big part. And I intentionally tried not to go for hidden Mickeys so much as just things that are other hidden gems that uh, and things to keep an eye out for. Um and so I thought we'd jump in with two boots, and um, I think we've got about five each. So if people have a pen and paper or are ready to like keep a mental tally for next time they're in Walt Disney World, let's see if we can rock out a few of these. You know, these are these specific things. I'm very fortunate enough that, like you, I have a friend who's a Disney cast member, and a lot of times I get to walk around the parks with them and get to spend some time with them. And they point out these little details that, out of all the vacations that I've had, I've never really got to. I've never noticed it until they've pointed it out. And that's what I kind of wanted to get into. And, and you, especially having a wealth of this knowledge, I thought it would be very cool to talk about this. Uh, and now that I know some of these things, I get to go to the parks with some of my friends or some other people, and I get to point it out like I know what I'm talking about. I really don't, but I've been I've been blessed to have good cast member friends that get to point out these great things and um you know one of the things that i'd like to point out that i thought was really cool that uh that you know disney we know has an amazing flag ceremony and they treat the flag with all of the flag rules and and all the respect that it deserves and one of the things that you guys might not have noticed we've kind of mentioned it on the podcast before talking about the flag ceremony but if as you're looking down main street And you're looking up at the top of the buildings, there's American flags because, you know, Walt always wanted that 4th of July New York Main Street kind of that that new, uh, that. 4th of July Main Street kind of you know Americana feel and all of the flags that are on top of the buildings stay up there whether it's rain shine you know the, the, the dead of winter whatever it is they never came they never come down they never have a flag retreating ceremony the ones on top of the building because they're not actually American flags they're not true flags because some of them are missing a star some of them are missing a stripe so that's why they can kind of bend the rules when it comes to the flag retreating and, and treating the flag in the proper way because they're not actually American flags. I'm going to be real honest with you, Mike. You mentioned this, and in the back of my head, I went, oh yeah, I have heard that. But I don't think I'd have had anybody mention that to me in such a long period of time that if you'd asked me, is there something special about the flags, I probably would have gone, um, because yeah, it's not something that immediately came to my mind, and and I was in Magic Kingdom today, saw them, and went, ah, Mike. So, <laughs> yep, uh, a, a small amount of me throwing it back to you and being like, hey, you, I love that. And that's one of, one of the things I love about this is that you can, each person can have bits and pieces that they bring, and there are times where I will mention something and I'll watch somebody's jaw drop. And I'll look at them and go, I was once that person. Right. I, because when somebody told me that, I was the person that then my jaw dropped and I had to like pick it up off the ground because, yeah, um, as many people know, I'm passionate about these things as well and get blown away just as easily. So um, I love that. I love that. And I mean, yeah, the flag retreat ceremony is such an important moment and we have discussed that on the on the podcast before, but I love the way that the Disney company is like, well, we don't want to have to put these up and bring these down and the man hours involved and all of that. So if we just make them a something that's not quite as up to date and almost symbolic of that same time period that we're trying to capture, 
because the flags weren't as accurate uh, to what they are nowadays back in the early 1900s, um, then they don't have to obey all of those laws and all of those rules that come with the handling of, of the flag, which I think is awesome. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. What do you got? What, what do you got for me, Dave? All right. So um, I, while we're in the Magic Kingdom, I've got two that came to mind. Um, and one of them is one of those little details which I always encourage people to look at because in order to see the flags, you've got to look all the way up. And I love looking down. I love looking at the ground. I love looking at the way the ground changes depending on where you are and how Disney uses the floor to help tell the story. And one of the places you see this is down in Storybook Circus. Okay, And if you've ever walked through Storybook Circus, we know that they moved the Dumbo attraction from the back of the carousel uh, mm -hmm. in its original location. And as part of the um, do-over for New, New Fantasyland, they moved it down into the back and they created a second one right next to it. And as you walk up towards Dumbo, embedded into the ground, which is cracked and kind of meant to give that look as if you're in the middle of a trodden field where the carnival has rolled into, embedded into the concrete, you'll actually see peanuts. Hmm. Because as you approach the elephants, there's all these peanuts like stomped into the ground. Uh, but I think the thing that always makes me love this even more is that they decided they wanted to have these peanuts in the ground. However, they also realized that due to allergies, they can't just put peanuts in the ground because there might be somebody who's highly allergic coming through. And so they created a synthetic peanut and then embedded it into the concrete. So it gives the appearance of the peanuts having been left there by the elephants. And it just blows me away every time. That's very cool. Yeah, I, I mean, it's those little details. And I want to hear your other one in Magic Kingdom, but I certainly have one when it comes to the ground also, and it's one of my favorite ones on this list. So what was your other one that you had over in Magic Kingdom? Because then I got one in Magic Kingdom also. All right. Um, actually, I've got a couple in Magic Kingdom before we go jumping out of this park. And um, one of them is with regard to an attraction that we have talked about a little bit on this show before and I've told some cool things and I think this may have rated a mention however I might have an extra legend detail to add uh, and it is with regard to the Haunted Mansion and as you exit the Haunted Mansion uh, located up in the graveyard there's a pet cemetery on your left hand side as you exit and all the way up the back there is a small statue of Mr. Toad and it is done as an homage to Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, the attraction in uh, the Magic Kingdom that uh, has ceased operation here in Orlando. And it's, um, it's a little bit of a, hey, Mr. Toad went away and where would a ride go after it passes away? But the Haunted Mansion seems like a logical place. However, there is a legend that goes with it. And that legend is that underneath uh, his statue, there is a small little plaque 
that has his uh, that has his obituary written on it, and they always are in rhymes at the haunted mansion, and allegedly now I haven't read it personally, but allegedly his um, his epitaph reads, "Here lies Toad, sad but true, not nearly as marketable." As Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> That's very cool. Uh, so, which I think is a cool little rhyme, uh, if that is indeed the case. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was, and I know we've t- we've mentioned the Haunted Mansion previously, but uh, that's one of my favourites to point out uh, whenever we are there. You know what? I've got one other uh, in the Magic Kingdom, but I'm happy to come back to it. Um, how about you take us for a walk across? Oh, do you have any in the Magic Kingdom? I do, Kingdom? I do. Sorry. And, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I was pointed up with one of my favorite cast member friends. We were out in the park and uh, we were having some family time. We were hanging out and, you know, we had to go to the bathroom and we were over by the Rapunzel bathrooms over in that the new area, you know, when they <laughs> constructed the new Fantasyland, similar to when they put the peanuts in the concrete over by uh, the Dumbo Ride. And, you know, we, we said that Rapunzel got this beautiful area and all it wound up being was a bathroom decorated with pots and pans and the lanterns. And it's a beautiful spot, but there's something that you don't know. We talked about hidden Mickeys. That area has hidden Pascals, and there's 10 of them in that area, and they're very hard to find. And it's one of those little mission things you can do. And it's a little bit of a nice thing because, you know, Rapunzel really didn't get her a ride. She just kind of got a bathroom. And I think it's kind of cool that there's a little bit of a hidden thing in there with the hidden Pascals. I'm going to be real honest. I think I know where about two or three of them are. I got nothing. Yeah, there's ten. Have you found them all? Uh, No, I haven't found them all. Oh, okay. Uh, Luckily, when I was with my cast member friend, he was able to point out quite a few of them. So did I find them on my own? Absolutely not. Uh, Would I have found (laughs) them on my own? Absolutely not. And I can thank him for pointing them out for me, and I think it's really cool. And that's one of those things where I'm with somebody who doesn't know. I can point out and say, hey, look at all the hidden Pascals in this area. I look like I know what I'm talking about. I think there's one on a lamppost and there's one on the back wall of Memento Mori's. And uh, and I think there's one down on a riverbed. And other than that, I got nothing. Oh, there's 10. So keep your eyes out the next time you're uh, a right. guesser in a bathroom I break. I can't be expected to know everything about <laughs> Disney World, okay? All right. Um, my last one uh, that I have in the Magic Kingdom is uh, a very cool story. Um, that goes back to during the construction of New Fantasyland once again. We've apparently got a few that are floating around in New Fantasyland. And while they were building the Seven Dwarves Mine Train, there was one of the challenges that they had in that construction zone is that in the middle of the night, they'd be working on it and they'd be quiet and people are walking through inspecting things or they're listening for sounds to make sure that things are working correctly in the ride. And there would be a cricket that would decide to start making noise. Now it's a big cavernous space and this single cricket would make a large amount of noise and it would echo through the chamber and it would annoy Every single person. And so, they decided they wanted to put something in. And when you go through load and unload at 
um, at Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, there's a little gate, and if like somebody decides they don't want to ride, or something happens and you get sent back to load for some reason, um, there's a little gate where you can go through, and they actually use it for wheelchairs and, and ECVs quite a lot. And directly above that, just on the load side of the of that gate, up in the rafters, there's actually a cricket that's probably maybe not quite the size of a football, but it's a decent size um, that was sculpted and sits up there. And it's got big beady eyes and it's kind of weird looking, um, but they actually built a sculpted cricket uh, because this cricket used to spend so much time in the attraction while they were building it. Uh, if you've never seen it, you will need a flashlight, so you'll have to turn on uh, a phone. And it's very hard to find on your own, but if you ever ask a cast member, um, they should be able to point it out to you. Uh, something to keep an eye out for. Have you ever seen the cricket? I haven't, I haven't. And yes. I've ridden Mine Train quite a few times, and now it's something I'm going to have to look for and... Uh... Yeah, and, and then once again, I'll look like I know what I'm talking about when I ask the question, but hey, where's the cricket? And it's funny because then, we had, a, I don't know if on previous episodes you've ever heard, I get this occasional time of year where I get crickets stuck in my garage. We've had quite a few podcast episodes where I've had that annoying cricket, so I know what it's like. I don't have a sculpted one here, but uh, yeah, that's definitely something cool that I would definitely look for when I go to uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train the next time. Maybe, maybe you need to keep an eye out for one yeah. uh, and get a copy of it or something. Yeah, right. So. Awesome. All right. Well, I, I'm just taking a quick look at my list, and I think that takes care of my Magic Kingdom ones. Um, however, I'm really excited for one of yours over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Yeah, you know, uh, I just happened to see this one just a few weeks ago, and it was weird because when I came into uh, Galaxy's Edge for the first time, I came in through where the Muppet Vision was because everybody said that's the best way to kind of really take it in. And that's the way I walked through that tunnel and I came in. I didn't come in through Toy Story Land. I came in through the tunnel. And I, I, the first one of the first things I noticed because I was trying to t absorb every moment of it was droid tracks into the concrete, similar to when you were talking about the peanuts being in the concrete by by the Dumbo ride. And I said, these are really cool. You know, I could see that it was definitely meant to be there, obviously. And then I did a little digging around and I found out more of the detail. Well, those droid tracks were actually when the Imagineers built that section of the park. They took the original R2-D2 from a New Hope episode, and they took one of the actual props that they used. They took a cast, and they did a, like a rubbing on the bottom of R2's feet. They made a 3D mold of it. They put it on a trolley track, and they used the actual prints from R2-D2's tracks that from A New Hope, and those are the tracks that go through the Batu going through the new Galaxy's Edge. So when you're walking on that and you're standing on those tracks, you're actually standing on the tracks made by the imprint of the R2-D2 from A New Hope. Now, just to be clear, um, where exactly is this... Um, where is that specific droid track? I remember seeing it as soon as I walked in from... As I'm walking past... Uh, uh, Rise of the Resistance. When I'm walking in that okay. way, through that way, so I'm, I'm coming in from the from the old Star Wars ride, past the Muppets, through the tunnel, and as you come through the tunnel, it comes from your right hand side and it goes kind of across towards uh, towards uh, Rise of the Resistance. I saw the tracks Fantastic. in that very area, so something to look for, and kind of really cool that it was the actual print used from that's, the that's New awesome. Hope Droid, which is cool. Right. Like a little bit of like 1977 making an appearance. My childhood, yeah. I, gotta love it. All right. Um, so while we're in Disney's Hollywood Studios, 
we're going to talk about numbers because this was actually the one that you said to me that you really enjoyed uh, pointing out. And it's in Andy's backyard and a visit to the Slinky Dog attraction. However, I've got some additional ones to add to this for you, Mike, okay. so that next time you're there, not only will you have the one that I've already pointed out to you and you've seen, uh, but you'll be able to uh, keep an eye out for a couple of others because there are a number of places at Slinky Dog that we see numbers. And the first one um, that I pointed out to you uh, that I want to talk about is located on the box of Rex the Dinosaur. Uh, so when you're getting on board, there's uh, on the back wall at the, what we call the load platform, um, there is a map of what the Slinky Dog coaster, and it's I suppose it's meant to have been drawn by Andy, and what Andy thought his Slinky Dog coaster would look like and there's some great references to things that we see in the backyard when you're walking through and there's even a cool picture of the evil Dr. Porkchop on it. There's a hidden Mickey in the cloud on that particular map uh, and right next to it is the book is the box that Rex came in and on that there is a sticker for his price tag and the price tag um, is broken up into two parts. There's the price tag, which he apparently costs uh, $19.95. And then above it is what we call the SKU, the SKU number. Uh, and it's, it's not even a full SKU number, but it's got, um, it says 11 and then 22. And when you read it in order from top to bottom, it says 11-22-1995 as the price. And that is actually the date uh, for the release of the original Toy Story movie. Uh, all the way back in 1995, it was November 22nd, which is pretty cool. Love that. That was such a cool little tidbit when you told me about that. And I said, and that's something that'll always range, you know, it'll always spark that memory when I see it back there again. And I think that's something that was a real important detail that people obviously overlook. I mean, if you didn't know the story behind it, it's just a bunch of numbers on a, you know, on a price tag. Yeah. Um, now, with that, when you ride Slinky Dog, I'm going to give you a couple of other numbers because as you come into the exit, um, there is a box that creates uh, the overhead awning uh, on that ride. And so you're sitting at the point where Wheezy is singing. The, the penguin is doing that. You've got a friend in me. And he's singing along. And if you look up, there is a price tag. And I'm going to show it to you. Uh, a barcode, sorry. I'm going to show it to you on the screen that we're mm -hmm. looking at. Um, and underneath it, it says, Made in Emeryville, California. Which is actually where the offices of um, Pixar are located. and Or were located. I'm not sure on that. Don't quote me. Um, and then under it, the barcode number is kind of split into two. And it says 31986101197. All right. Which, if we then break it down into two dates, becomes 31986 and 101197. Um, 31986 is, from my understanding, the date that... Um, Pixar separated from Lucasfilm and became its own individual company as a complete uh, spin-off on its own. So it's a very important date uh, to Pixar itself um, because uh, Steve Jobs um, 
invested money and became the main shareholder and a member of the board. And that was in February of uh, 1986. And so it was a little over a month after that was done that they then processed all the paperwork and became uh, their own separate entity, so to speak, um, and started doing things like that. Now, we know 1995 is the release of uh, Toy Story, and I, the reason I was, one of the reasons I was a few minutes late to start recording this evening, is I was scrolling through Wikipedia trying to find the relevance of uh, October 11th, 1997, because the final six digits are 10, 11, 97, and I wasn't actually sure what that was. So uh, there's a number of things that happened in 97, but I couldn't pinpoint that exact date. Um, and if any of our listeners are super Pixar nerds and want to be able to let me know that, I'm always happy to learn um, and will gladly put it in my pocket for next time. And I even usually try to give credit where credit is due and say, hey, this person taught me this. Uh, <laughs> so yes, if you do uh, know the relevance of 10 11 97, it also appears in that barcode on Slinky Dog Dash. Homework. Homework for the podcast family. There you, you go. To work. All Get right. Keep. Now, did you have any more in... Um, in Hollywood Studios? No, I have two remaining over in Animal Kingdom. All right. Well, you lead us off with one of yours. So one of the cool things, it almost seems like a lot of these new lands are sprinkling in a lot of new stuff. And one of the areas that I want to talk about is the new you know, Pandora Avatar uh, area. And one of the greatest rides they have over there, obviously, we all know it's a flight of passage. And you know, you're, you're so blown away and you're so amazed by how what an amazing ride it is, especially if it's the first time you ever ride it. And you walk off with that, you know, that ear-to-ear smile. But there's probably something you didn't notice as you walk off. Uh, as you're in the exit area on your way down to that gift shop, there's three red handprints with the little initials underneath the bottom. And those three handprints that are the actual handprints from Joe Rohde, uh, John Landau, and James Cameron. Uh, John Landau was the producer. James Cameron was the director. And we all know that Joe Rohde was the Imagineer who had a huge part in Animal Kingdom and being what it was. Uh, and, and I think that's really cool that they had that little hidden gem there as you walk out. Uh, I don't know how many people have noticed it. Dave, have you ever seen it there before? I have seen it there. Um, for um, And just to clarify, this is if you ride... Um, what we call Alpha and Beta Theatre. So there's actually four theatres, and when you get either to the top or the bottom, if you go to either of the left-hand side theatres, there's two theatres on that side, um, it will bring you down the staircase, and then at the very bottom of that staircase, there will be those three handprints. If you end up turning to the right and you go into Charlie or Delta, uh, you won't have the opportunity to see them when you exit. You'll have to go back through a tunnel and swim upstream against people. You can totally do it, but it's all the way at the end of that hallway. Um, I love that those handprints are put there because uh, when you walk into that attraction, we get the opportunity to walk through the caves and you understand how important wall paintings were to the Navi in the storyline. So all of the caves have these beautiful handprints and drawings and um, artwork all over it. And then randomly... Uh, that comes to a halt, and then there's these three random handprints uh, just placed in that tunnel, and I love it. They just they can stick out, and yeah, I, I think it's awesome the way they did that. Very cool. Um, did you have something over in uh, Animal Kingdom? 
I do. Uh, while we're in Pandora, actually, so I wanted to put it in here quickly before uh, we jumped out of Pandora. And it's, um, it's one of those things that's kind of hard to see. And if you need to YouTube it, it becomes really obvious. There's some people that have done some great videos uh, showing you uh, this particular thing. Because in order to see it, you need to kind of stand all the way back near the entrance of Pandora. So having walked in uh, from Discovery Island and you're kind of up on that, if you veer to the right and then look across the vastness of uh, the Valley of Moara there uh, that they constructed, you'll see that there are a number of places where we use waterfalls. And there's one that comes out of the rock uh, that's floating on the left-hand side. And then as you look towards where we know uh, Avatar Flight of Passage is, and it's kind of built into the mountainside, there's three or four waterfalls that are happening at different levels. And we get to uh, see them as they go down. Uh, one of them actually then comes all the way down and goes under the water, continues under the walkways that take you into uh, Avatar Flight of Passage. But if you look very closely, the one that is all the way up the very top. It's like the single thing that is moving near the very top. It's a waterfall for all intents and purposes until you zoom in on it. And when you zoom in on it, it actually becomes a piece of rock that is kind of chiseled and carved to look like flowing water that is spinning on a wheel and it's actually just a construction that spins and it disappears and then it reappears. So to, to the naked eye, it just looks like a waterfall that is constantly flowing. But because nobody's ever close enough to it in person to touch it and feel the water, it's actually just a optical illusion that they created and built there which means they didn't have to run pipes and all of that all the way up to the very heavens of uh, that construction uh, just to pump water back down. That's awesome. <laughs> have you ever seen that one? I've, now, I've taken notice of the waterfalls before, but I haven't taken notice that it wasn't actual water. So uh, there you that's go. something I definitely look at. And, and here I am thinking that, you know, that it was water up there. So that's something that I definitely have to check out when I'm, uh, when I'm over <laughs> there the next time and, you know, check out the fake water. Yes, indeed. Not the backside of water. No, that is completely different, and O2H is very important as well. Yes. <laughs> so I have one more All over right. in Animal Kingdom that um, is pretty cool. I mean, we were talking about Joe Rody before, and one of the things over in Tusker House, if you've ever been over that way, uh, if you look up on the second floor by the hallway leading to the restrooms, you're going to see a sign that says Joe Rody Masks and Beards, and placed, behind that, placed next to that sign is going to see a little business card that says Specializes in Earrings. So I think it's very cool that the amazing Imagineer that Joe Rody was, unfortunately, you know, he left the company. Now he's going to do other things. Uh, you know, he had such a great hand in Animal Kingdom, making it the amazing park that what it was. He's a fantastic Imagineer, except for the Yeti. Uh, and I think they did a great job, you know, paying a little tribute to him. You know, and I think it's very cool. And um, I'm a big Joe Rody fan, and I think that it was really cool that they gave him that little bit of a, a little nod over in Tusker House. That's awesome. He has his own business card just there on the wall. Have you ever run into him in all of your... I'm, I'm sure you've run into him a few times. I see people take a lot, pictures with him a lot in the park. I've never taken a picture with him. I have had the opportunity to meet him mm -hmm. uh, whenever he, he uh, would stay at Disney World. Um, his 
resort of choice was obviously Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked there as a concierge and uh, I did get to meet him a couple of times actually uh, during his stays there, uh, particularly while they were building Pandora. Um, he more or less lived uh, at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Uh, he was a permanent fixture on a regular basis there. So um, definitely got the chance to see him and meet him there. Um, and a, a fascinating gentleman to talk to um, with, I think, stories that could probably go on forever. Yeah, I could sit in a room with him for hours. He's got some really yeah. cool stuff. And, and an amazing imagination, obviously. Out of curiosity, Mike, if you... Okay, you're in a room with him and you get to ask him one thing and it can't be about the Yeti... Uh, what are you asking him? What's his one regret in Animal Kingdom? What's one okay. thing he could do over? Oh, like get to go back and mm-hmm. do it again? And, and I don't mean the Yeti. I don't mean the Yeti. I mean, you know, because no, I, I know that's the obvious thing. But, uh, you know, if there was something he would have changed or if he had a different vision for something that didn't come out the way that he wanted it to come out. Yeah, interesting. Um, mine would be, I'd want to hear of his story, uh, of his trek um, to Nepal mm-hmm. uh, for the research assignment regarding um, Everest. Um, and I know we, once again, I know we've done an episode on Everest back in the day uh, with the DDP. Um, but while we're here, while I've mentioned it, see, this is this is why it's weird like having a conversation like this with me because I mention Everest and I mention Joe Rody and then something jumps into my mind and I immediately go, ooh, and this is where my wife says I'm kind of like Doug the dog where I'm like, I'll be on a particular tangent and then I'm just like, oh, squirrel. Okay, I'm back. Um, so... Um, And I would want to hear his version of this particular story because my understanding of the story is that when they got to Nepal, they wanted to know about the Yeti. And and one of the challenges they had was that um, talking about the Yeti within the Nepalese culture is actually inviting uh, bad luck, which the Yeti is an omen of, into your life. So it's kind of like standing in front of a mirror and saying Candyman three times or some of those other superstitions mm-hmm. that, are, that we have in movies and things like that. This is one of theirs that like, you don't talk about the Yeti and they were like, well, how do we find out what the Nepal people think of the Yeti? If nobody from Nepal will tell us about the Yeti. Right. And um, one of the even bigger versions of it was the uh, challenges of it was that they um, they wouldn't even draw it. Nobody would draw it because that's an invitation of it into your life. Um, And so they eventually found a man who said, all right, A, you're going to pay me for this. B, you're going to take me away from my village and I will talk about it, but I refuse to draw it. And they said, deal. Wow. And so they took him away and they sat down with him and they um, and he started describing it. And the way I've heard this story is that Joe uh, sat and started sketching based on this story that he was telling and this description he was giving and would say no bigger or not as much. And, um, and they were editing this drawing uh, right there in front of him. And he said, yes, that, that's what it looks like. Can I go now? Like, get me out of here kind of thing. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to be involved with it. Wow. They took that original sketch 
enlarged it and when you go up the hill at Everest and you're on the incline you go through the temple to the Yeti Mm -hmm. um, and right on the wall above you is that big picture of the Yeti on the wall and that's actually meant to be an enlarged version of that original sketch that was made in Nepal wow that's cool yeah, like so. Um, once again, that's how I've heard that story. And um, one of the challenges we sometimes face uh, with these is that, particularly as cast members, is that you'll hear somebody tell a story, and then that person retells the story, and then it gets retold again. And so sometimes you're getting a story from people that's been through six or seven or even more, maybe even twenty different variations and embellishments and um every so often i'll hear a story where i actually need to go and check um and i'll find somebody i've got a couple of cast members who um who are very knowledgeable on these sorts of things and i'll go back to them i literally did this today uh somebody told me that they'd heard that the lanterns that hang in the tree in liberty square were each constructed within the states of the original 13 colonies that they represent. And I was like, I've never heard that. And so I reached out to my friend and I said, hey, I have a question for you. This is what I heard. And he goes, I've heard that as well. However, it is a complete fabrication. I've done the research (laughs) and nobody can tell me where that story started. To the best of everybody's knowledge in Magic Kingdom guest relations, it is not a true story. Okay. Put it to bed. So, so that's, I think something that I would love, if I ever got to sit with Joe Rody, I'd love to say, this is the story I've heard. Is it true? I want to hear you tell it. Cause you were there. Right. Um, yeah, but, I'd love oh, it. Uh, I like the Joe Rody story, regardless whether it's true or not. I'm sticking with that <laughs> one. That, to me, that's true. Uh, I'm always happy to retell it as I heard it. And I'll always give that, I'll always give that little bit of a, Hey, just letting you know, this is how I heard it as a bit of a caveat. If ever I'm telling something like that. Okay. A little disclaimer. I like that. You got any more? I'm, I'm, uh, I think I'm tapped out. I've, I mean, here's the thing. I've got some more. But there are some that I keep for me. Sure. And there are also some that I keep for my tours. And if you ever wind up on a tour with me, all you need to ask is I want to know about Dave's favorite tree. Okay. All right. right. I've always got a story to tell. More homework for the DDP family. (laughs) Take a tour with Dave and ask about the tree. There you go. And if you're on one of these tours with Dave, you're going to get to see a lot of these hidden gems. And when you take when you see these hidden gems, you can take pictures of them. And we want to see them because you can put them on our Facebook page. And it brings me to my favorite thing every week, and that would be Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. It's time for it's time us to for get us our Picks of the Week. Dave, we had a great week with some amazing pictures. Why don't you tell me what your Pick of the Week Well, there have been a lot of people posting, um, and I'll admit that a lot of the posts have actually been people saying, I am counting down this day towards this date, or we booked a last minute visit and we're headed to Disney World, and um, there's a whole bunch of people posting their countdowns and how many days they have until they arrive, which is very exciting, and a couple of them are getting quite close. Um, However, there are a lot of developments happening in Disney World at the moment and um, there's a lot of things that are coming back 
And it's very exciting. It's a very exciting time to be uh, a member of the Disney company and to see all of these things uh, that are happening. Um, for example, you now get to see my smiling face when walking around Walt Disney World because I no longer have to wear a face covering um, as a fully vaccinated cast member. So um, things like that are exciting. And there was a great question posed um, by Scott Chenoweth, and he posted a photo um, which, from what I can tell, it was taken by him um, talking about shows. And it's just a beautiful moment with uh, the main scene singer from the festival of the lion king reaching to the sky uh and talking and scott was asking about people's uh favorite shows and things like that and um it watching everybody get excited about these things that are being brought back to walt disney world and seeing everybody's um imagination and fire being rekindled and the excitement um, that has been maybe not necessarily uh, part of people's Disney vacations as much in the last uh, 18 months or so. Um, watching everybody get that enthusiasm and that vigor back for what lies in store for them, knowing that these um, entertainment op opportunities uh, now exist again in Disney World, uh, it made me smile and I'm super excited for it. Yeah, you know, we were talking about a lot of the countdowns, a lot of people coming back to the parks, you know. When we were doing those cast member episodes when, you know, when you were laid off and we were going through some hard times, you said, what's the best thing you can do for the cast members? And it's come to the parks, and it's great to see that the, that the, the vacations are ramping back up, It's the parks are being crowded, uh, the restrictions are being lifted. It's starting to get back to that life is normal and the magic is, the magic's always there, but it's starting to return on a little bit more of a regular basis. And, uh, you know, we got to see a preview of some fireworks this week too, which is a beautiful thing. I mean, the fireworks are coming back. I mean, you know, Disney at night and fireworks. I mean, is there uh, anything better than that? I mean, that is that is like the cherry on top, the icing on the cake. That is one of the greatest things ever. And um, that is something you have to experience sometimes time in your life disney world and magic kingdom fireworks just amazing it, it's a total I mean, good night ah uh, i've had somebody in the last uh what was that a couple of weeks ago it was their first visit to disney world wow and there was a part of me that went you you're not going to see fireworks on this visit mm -hmm. like it's such an iconic element of and it's one thing for people who are who have been to disney world seen it and miss it but I was like, this is somebody who, this is their first Disney experience. And this iconic element of Disney World is not there for them. Yeah. I was like, you need to come back in a year. Mm -hmm. you, you need to come back like in six months. You need to come back as soon as we fix this. Like, yeah. oh, um, I know that I will be in Magic Kingdom on the second. I won't be there on the first. Uh, I will be standing watching it on the second. Um, which is shortly after this episode drops. I think it might even be the day this episode drops. So, um, so no, that'll be Friday. Math isn't my strong point. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'm just so excited. Oh, Me too. Me too. Can't wait. So my pick of the week goes to Dominic Wilkinson. And Dominic Wilkinson is down there with the family. They had the times of their life. They have this great picture in front of the, the castle that we love. Uh, got the matching shirts going on. They got the, the whole families together. Uh, they look great. Younger daughter's got so many air kisses from all the different princesses. They got to see a lot of the parades today. Dominic, you guys look like you're having a blast. And you have my pick of the week. 
Fantastic. Um, I actually have taken a bunch of pictures. Um, I don't know if you saw, did you see the post I got tagged in? Uh, we're celebrating my daughter's second birthday, uh, which is actually tomorrow, somewhere oh, in the next few birthday. hours. It ticks. Yeah. Um, very excited for that. And on one of my days off the other day, we went to have uh, a day in the Magic Kingdom with the girls and uh, give her a uh, Disney uh, birthday uh, experience and we watched parades and took castle pictures and we even then went and ate at Chef Mickey's in the evening um, and so she got to wave to Mickey Mouse a number of times and uh, definitely had that birthday experience so um, I might even try to get one of them shared on the Disney Dads podcast uh, page and for those listeners who have not yet um, joined our Disney Disney Dads podcast Facebook page. This is where we uh, share those photos. And um, if you would like an opportunity to see, if I brag for just a moment, my two adorable daughters, um, that is the place to do it. You're missing out, people. Um, This is your personal invite to come across and join us there. Um, Take part and uh, share your love of Disney with us. Uh, If you'd like to contact the Disney Dads podcast family, um, you can also do that through email. It is Disney Dad Mike, Disney Dad Justin, Disney Dad Dave, and Disney Dad Joe. Um, and you can, uh, and they are at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us an email and um, loop us in on any information that you're hoping. Maybe you've got a great idea of something you'd like to be discussed. Maybe you, um, maybe you just want a safe place to be able to vent. Um, and, or maybe you're just really excited that Justin isn't here this week and you're, and you're like, yeah, let's do more of these episodes. Give us your feedback. We love hearing that. Uh, not only that, it, uh, your feedback is also appreciated in the form of scrolling down and um, giving us a little bit of a like on whatever uh, app you use um, to catch our podcast. We want you to communicate that back. It's a great way of bumping us up through the rankings and letting other people who are looking for a podcast about Disney um, that they may uh, pop on their uh, suggested podcasts and things like that. So by communicating that with uh, the greater world, it's a great opportunity for us to grow uh, what we do here. And in addition to that, if you are looking for any extra any extra elements of the Disney Dads podcast, there is a way you can get more Disney Dad in your life. Uh, and that is be- by becoming a patron member um, for as little as $2 a month. Uh, you can become a patron member and get an additional extra snippet uh, added on to each episode every week. Uh, It ranges from uh, interesting to downright ridiculous um, and everywhere in between and it gets a little bit more adult over there. So um, it's oftentimes something where we say, hey don't go uh, turning this on in the car while the little ones are driving to school. Um, This is is for something for you to listen to uh, on on your headphones just before going to bed um, but there, there is uh, some extra Disney dads in the world for those that come across to join us in our patron group um, with that we're about to head over to Patreon, and I want to let you know I've got a rant Okay. I've got my soapbox and I'm going to get on it and I'm going to let you have it All right. I'm looking forward to this it just annoys me Okay. and I'm ready to discuss all it alright right? 
Justin, Fantastic. we missed you this week. Joe, I think Joe's betting it all on black, right? He's in Vegas this week. He's uh, oh, is he? Yeah, he's in Vegas. Okay. So uh, you know, okay. he was supposed to get. He was supposed to come on with us today. And he goes, well, you know, I'm uh, you know, I'm, I'm golfing, I'm gambling. So you know, he's got the lavish, uh, <laughs> the lavish lifestyle. You know, we're here uh, slaving away. But uh, Joe, all we right. missed you this week, and Justin, you know, it, it's it's kind of a quiet, mellow show without you here. It doesn't have that. Uh, that, that childish, it, it, boyish... We actually stayed on track. Yeah, imagine and that. we discussed now, what we Now we, we know why we always discuss. get thrown off track, because, uh, because of Justin. But we love you, we miss you, and we're looking forward to having we you do. back next week. Fantastic. Uh, until then, we will see you all real soon. Have a good night. Cheers. From Mike, Justin, and myself, we want to say thank you. And remember, always keep it Disney. Each of us has a dream, a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Ready to begin, let the that's a wrap. This has been YDF Media Productions.